All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 20th day of June, 2017. I also like to remind you each and every week, I also write a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, which has as its main focus, especially these days, the junior gold exploration sector. And you can go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com to sign up for my letter. We also like to encourage you to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Go to ChenPicks.com. ChenPicks.com. Chen focuses on the precious metals. Yes, he does some of that, but he also uh, pays a lot of attention to biotechs, where he's made a lot of money in the energy sector as well. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the most popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. And I'd like to also encourage you to continue sending along your comments to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail. Com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Today, our sponsors are Dynasert Inc., Trimetals Mining, Telson Resources, Klondike Gold, RN Resources, Novo Resources, Genesis Metals Corp., and GMV Minerals Corp. And I want to thank, uh, I want to welcome actually this week New Range Gold Corp. They're a new sponsor to this show. Uh, and um, just yesterday, they put out some remarkably high grade assay news uh, from their Pamlico property located in Nevada's Walker Lane trend. The headline number was 6.1 meters of 98 grams per ton gold. And, but this was just one of many high-grade assays reported in their first 10 drill holes uh, drilled in the first phase of their drill program. The stock shot up 40% yesterday to close uh, in U.S. Uh, at around 44 cents. Uh, and this is still a very low cap stock. One, uh, I think, has a tremendous amount of upside potential. And I would love to have had Robert Carrington on with us today, but there just wasn't time to get him on. So what I've done is I've provided an interview with Robert Carrington, which you can listen to at jtaylormedia.com, jtaylormedia.com. It will be there available to you uh, to listen to. Uh, go to jtaylormedia.com, click on the podcast page, and you can uh, listen to the interview with Robert Carrington. I think it's if you are interested in uh, exploration stocks, then I think you're not going to want to miss what he has to say about this Nevada project. Um, the big winner among our sponsors today is Klondike Gold, which just prior to showtime was up over 21% today to approximately 23 cents on some exciting news that was put out earlier by the company. And just a little snippet of that, let me read for you a piece from the press release. Quote, 
Visible gold is identified in each of the first four 2017 drill holes at the Lone Star target that have been logged in detail. A total of 13 holes drilled so far have intersected the prospective target horizon adjacent to the newly recognized Bonanza Fault. At the Lone Star target, gold occurs within a recently defined laminated schist uh, field unit that is prospective gold mineralization target horizon. This unit is associated with a major second-order high-angle fault termed the Bonanza Fault, which is a uh, a variably silicified carbonate-altered mineralized zone with pyrite. Recent mapping and geophysical surveys indicate a a 7.5-kilometer potential strike length. The newly recognized Bonanza Fault is interpreted to be a significant locus of orogenic gold mineralization, end of quote. Well, now, if that sounds like a lot of technical stuff, it is indeed, uh, but I can tell you to pay attention to the assays that come out uh, in the near future if these are really good. And there is continuity along a seven and a half kilometer strike length. Uh, we could be on to, uh, I think that Klondike could be on to something very significant. I will be talking uh, to the president of Klondike sometime in the near future, uh, probably after we get some uh, assays back. Uh, while I'm on the topic of sponsors uh, to this show, I should mention that in just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Ralph Fitch. He is the president and CEO of TriMetals Mining. And that's another exploration company with a sizable gold resource uh, in eastern Nevada, actually straddles the border between Nevada and Utah. And this is a a company that is in quest of a multi-million ounce gold resource, uh, certainly on its way, in my view, to uh, achieving that. Well, I've titled today's show, A Smarter Way to Invest in Gold Stocks. And our guest this week is Frank Holmes of U.S. Global Investors, Michael Oliver, is with me and uh, momentarily will be giving us his comments. And Ralph Fitch, as I mentioned, the CEO of TriMetals, will be with me at about a quarter past the hour. And then Frank at about uh, Frank Holmes at about half past the hour will join me briefly to mention a new gold ETF uh, that U.S. Global is uh, is launching very soon. And I expect Frank will also talk about his latest article this weekend titled "Small Cap Mining Stocks: Big Time Opportunity." And as I noted in just a few minutes, Ralph Fitch will be with us. But right now, Michael Oliver is here, I'm glad to say. Thanks, Michael, for being with us again. Good to be back, Jay. Always good to have you. And I like to tell our listeners it's OliverMSA.com. OliverMSA.com. Well, in light of the uh, refusal of equities to correct, is there any reason now, Michael, to be bearish? I mean, I'm giving up with this bearish story. I mean, it just it just keeps on going up and up and up. Not today. A little bit of a correction today. I don't know if you even call it a correction. We haven't had a correction, it seems like, in ages. Uh, so isn't the trend our friend here? Well, yeah, it is. Um, the um, Ever since the upturn in February of 2016, uh, we, we were bearish coming into the, that year in January. As soon as it opened, we said sell. It dropped to a, a rough target area, low 1800s we had defined, S&P we're talking about. And in 1867, we said, watch out, they can take your profits away if you're short. We didn't suggest going long. I wish I had, but uh, we, we did urge covering of short positions. And uh, the market went up and, and finally made a new high late in the year and mm-hmm. tacked on some good gains. Ended up with a 9.5% up year. Uh, what's, we sent out a report today that really was super dumb uh, in the sense that it wasn't technical. It was just simply a bar graph chart of yeah. uh, S&P's gains last year 
and S&P gains so far in the first six months of this year, and gold gains last year in the first six months of this year. You can hardly tell the difference. And yet, uh, admittedly, it was nine-tenths of a percent less upside in gold last year than was the S&P. Uh, S&P is up nine and a half. S&P gold was up 8.6%. Then mm-hmm. this year, first six months, S&P is up 9%. Gold's up 8 Mm-hmm. And yet, if you went to a cocktail party and met a, 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 gold, a, stock, a stock market bull, he would be gleeful, enthusiastic. Yeah. It's going forever. And the gold guy would be uh, very nervous, fearful. And why? The difference is trivial. Uh, I think yeah. that the, the reason is, uh, first of all, our assessment of S&P is that we don't trust this, this leg up that surpassed the 2015 high uh, by a couple hundred points, by Eight nine percent. Uh, it does not look right on annual momentum. It looks like a failing gasp at an old bull trend. And we have some numbers. I won't get real specific right now, but they come into play in it after eight trading days when the next quarter opens. That the S and P, which is now a twenty four forty area, uh, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be ten points lower. So uh, you're in trouble if you're long. Our quarterly mm-hmm. momentum suggests the market's in big trouble if it doesn't explode between now and the end of the quarter. And we don't think it will. We think mm-hmm. it's uh, the jaws of momentum will catch it. Uh, on the other hand, when we look at gold's annual momentum, we see uh, as of February last year, uh, when it, it broke out by our metrics at 1140 to 1160 price of bullion, uh, it's a fresh annual momentum bull trend. I mean, mm-hmm. from a momentum perspective, forget the price charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a momentum perspective, it is that's fresh for an annual trend. Usually annual momentum trends last anywhere from three to five years. Uh, so we're one and a half years, not even one and a half years into the bull trend for gold. And the other fact is, archivally speaking, about how bull markets begin, and this is true with most markets. In fact, this is true with bear market tops. Uh, usually it's not a straight shot. The straight shot moves in markets usually comes near the end of a bull trend or a bear trend where mm-hmm. you have the blow-off effect like maybe tech stocks, some uh, Internet stocks are having now, or in, in the fashion that the S&P bottomed in 2009, where it was straight down. Uh, there was, you had an inverse blow-off. So yeah. In the initial stage of a new bull trend, uh, you usually have deep reach-back sell-offs, corrections, that don't go to new lows, but they hurt. And mm-hmm. they feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the wrong side. But mm-hmm. if you got in right... For instance, 1140, 1160 gold in February of last year, and you just gritted your teeth with the full expectation that you're going to get slapped in the face by the market at some point, but not really destroy the, the overall picture. Just it's a big correction to create doubt in the minds of the new longs who are on the right side, but they don't know it yet. That is almost always the case in new trend emergence. It's not till later in a, in a bull trend that you get the easy ride. And I yeah. think too many gold bulls have expected the easy ride right out of the gate, and it just doesn't happen. It's not mm-hmm. historically true when you go back and look at bull market emergences in stocks or gold or, or almost any market. It's usually tough, and I think that's what we've seen, and it's, it's tested the souls of uh, the gold bulls. Right. Uh, that would explain, test- Michael, why the, the difference in psychology at the cocktail party yeah, that yeah, you're talking yeah. about. It's, uh, the, the pullback in gold, uh, the guys doubt their, their position, the validity of it. And mm-hmm. from our perspective, our vantage point of looking at annual momentum, uh, we see a positive situation. The pullbacks, as deep as they were late last year, uh, December, uh, was merely a, a good in-your-face correction. And it quickly hot-footed back up just short of 1,300 you know, a few weeks ago. In fact, twice. 
So I would yeah. suggest if you go back up to 1290 again, you're going through. It's a triple top, and you will not stop. You'll go through. It'll be a triple top breakout. So yeah. roughly speaking, at 1290 zone, you go back up a third time, don't expect to stop. Okay. And I, tend, I, right. I tend to expect to do that, <laughs> go up there. All right. Well, then uh, let's say we get through 1290 with one minute left here, Michael. How? Mm-hmm. Where does that take us? Um, what I, I what sort of upside do you see? This year. This year only, and it's based on annual momentum. In the uh, 1440, 1450 area, it doesn't wow. look like the kind of resistance that stops you. It looks like the kind of resistance you hiccup at. Uh, but once you get through about 1300, I think even the price chart folks are going to sit back and say, hey, this beast is, is, is bullish. Because oh. uh, and, and whereas right now I clearly see it on momentum. The price guys are debating whether it's turned up for real or not turned up for real. And I think you get through thirteen hundred, there's going to be a wider consensus that yeah, it has turned up for real. All so right, I think that's the well, reason well, they that gives stuff. us yeah, that gives us bulls something to look forward to. Michael, yeah. we're out of time. Thank you so much for your help again. Always you, appreciated. Jay. It's OliverMSA.com, folks. OliverMSA. Well, folks. We're going to a commercial break, but don't go away because uh, when we come back, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Ralph. Uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have Ralph Fitch with me um, and uh, of, of TriMetals Mining. And uh, so, don't go away. We'll be right back. Oren Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Oren is operated by the same team that founded Asenko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over two. $200 million. Telson Resources is building a new gold mine in Durango State that is destined to become one of the highest grade gold producers in Mexico. Telson plans to commence production in early 2018 to mine over 1,000 tons per day by the end of the first year. Telson presents an exciting opportunity to investors seeking to position themselves in an exciting and robust new undervalued gold mine opportunity. Telson Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under symbol TSN and on the OTCBB under symbol SOHFF. TriMetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company exploring and developing its near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a gold resource with a robust preliminary economic assessment. TriMetals believes that with further drilling, there is a significant potential to discover 3 to 5 million ounces of gold at Gold Springs. TriMetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively, and its website is TriMetalsMining.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com 
Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again my geologist friend and CEO of TriMetals Mining Company, TriMetals Mining Inc., actually, Ralph Fitch. Uh, Thanks for joining me again, Ralph. No, it's a pleasure, and thanks for having me on. I'm just uh, really good to have you with us. I should let our folks know that uh, you have been a, an exploration geologist uh, with a lot of very major companies in the past, companies like uh, Chevron Minerals, for example. Uh, uh, that's one I know of, anyway. And you've been uh, very, very successful, actually, in, in finding and being a part of major discoveries. And now you're, uh, you're on to another one, it would seem. And that's what we want to talk to you today about your Cold Springs project. Um, that is in Straddles, actually, Straddles, Nevada, and Utah. For the sake of those uh, listeners that may not be familiar, may not have heard you when you were on with us before, just give us a little a little summary of that project and uh, the economics that were, uh, that, that were assessed so far. Yeah, no, it would be a pleasure. So, first of all, TriMetals is uh, based in uh, Canada. It's a Canadian company, so it's stock symbol up. In Canada is TMI, and down here in the U.S. it's TMIAF. And what we're doing is uh, we're in the sort of discovery business, Jay. So we're Mm -hmm. looking for gold, silver, trying to develop a big resource. And the project that we think is is going to be the home run for us is called uh, Gold Springs, and it's as you say, it's on the Nevada Utah border, uh, west of Cedar City. It's about an hour and a half's drive uh, west of Cedar City, three hours north of Vegas. So it's a pretty nice location to to visit. And what we found is a very large area with uh, outcropping uh, gold mineralization, and we've now drilled 239 holes into it. And uh, we've developed a reasonable size resource of about 750,000 ounces of gold. But we think that the property as a whole, because of the sort of type of geology we see there, is probably good for three to five million ounces. So Mm -hmm. we're explorers, so we have to sort of use our imagination. And that's sort of where we think we're going. And in this uh, process of drilling, and uh, incidentally, we just uh, started drilling again. Uh, so we're following up on some really good results we had uh, last year, which is so it's a very exciting time for the company. Uh, but in the, in the process of drilling, uh, of course, one of the things you have to do is show to yourself and to your investors that what you're drilling uh, has some real value. And uh, part of that process is doing a series of engineering studies. And the first one is called a PEA or a preliminary economic assessment. And we did this really uh, at an early stage in the project. It's more of a demonstration uh, that Mm -hmm. what we're drilling is good. It's not the uh, project that we hope finally to build. We hope the project we build will be much, much bigger than our demonstration PEA. But the small scale PEA, which was Uh, mining about 50,000 ounces of gold a year, uh, had some really good economics. And uh, so pre-tax NPV, 137 million, 92 million after tax, uh, red return around 50% before tax, 36% after tax. Mm. Uh, This was done at uh, $1,300 gold, so not too far from where we are now. And in that study, we also showed 
that the project was quite robust at much lower prices. In fact, it still made some money at $1,000 gold. Mm -hmm. So we, th we think through this little demonstration PEA uh, that we can say that the material that we're drilling is uh, very worthwhile. And every year we've uh, increased the resource. And, and actually, uh, Jay, there's a, the point, um, I think maybe really sort of gets the point home is that we've done sort of resource drilling or detailed drilling in four different areas on the property so far. And in each of those areas, we've ended up with a 43-101 uh, resource. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everywhere we're drilling, uh, we are finding uh, useful uh, gold mineralization. And we've only drilled about, I would say, 10% uh, of the total targets that we've defined with geology, geophysics, and, and things of this sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've uh, you've been pretty effective with a technique uh, known as ZTAM. I guess it's uh, allowed you to point your drill in the right uh, in the right places so far. Uh, you uh, you're really looking at an open pit heap leach scenario here, I believe, right, Ralph? And with low stripping ratios, those are some of the economic factors that that might make this work really well, even though it's not the highest grade deposit. Yes, in the world. no, that's true. The so. In Nevada, uh, you quite often hear, uh, of course, there's a lot of gold being found in Nevada, so you often see reports on gold being discovered. In more recent times, when people discover gold, it tends to be uh, sort of fairly deep under the ground, maybe three, 400 feet below the surface, they find some good gold mineralization. What's unusual about gold springs and the fact that it's still there and hasn't been mined yet is that it's actually outcropping, it's sticking out of the ground. So, um, as you were saying, Jay, our strip ratio life of mine in the demonstration PEA was only two to one, which is mm. very low. That's because we're starting, uh, literally the first shovelful, as it were, would, would be ore, and mm -hmm. we don't have to remove a, a lot of overburden. Yeah, a very important aspect. And you've done uh, some metallurgy on it too, I, I suppose, Ralph? Yes, we have. So, as um, part of the PA, the, this sort of early stage engineering study, uh, we did a number of uh, metallurgical tests. Um, some of them are called bottle rolls, where you basically put some material in a, a very large uh, bottle and sort of shake it around for a few days and, and see how much of the gold you get out of the rock. Uh, you have it in a, in a cyanide solution. And then as you get more advanced, you do columns, and these are to simulate what a, a heat leach um, would be like. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've done six uh, mini columns and three full-size columns. And uh, to date, we have really uh, good uh, results from the metallurgy. And in fact, the more recent uh, metallurgical tests on the full-size columns gave results which suggests maybe our recoveries will be a little bit better than we had in the economic study, which where we said we had 73% uh, gold recovery and 40% of the silver. Mm -hmm. the, the more recent work suggests it might be a little bit better. I know that your, uh, I think one of your goals this year with your exploration program was to try to increase the, uh, the average grade, not that, uh, you know, as you say, your grade in the PEA was, uh, was good enough to, provide pretty robust economics, 
but have you had any success, Ralph, in terms of increasing your grades? I think there were certain areas that you were looking at that you thought would really uh, probably help in that regard. Uh, yes. Uh, so I, I think you put it uh, correctly. So in the economic study, um, the grades were uh, adequate to give a good economic return, but obviously if you have higher grade, you get a better return. And the uh, material that was not included in the PA uh, was discovered uh, last year, uh, prior, subsequent to the completion of the PA, and in an area called South Jumbo at the old historic uh, Etna mine. And, uh, for instance, one of the holes there, hole, um, let's see, number five uh, of last year, we got 150 metres uh, with a gold equivalent of one gram. That's 0.87 mm. grams actual gold mm-hmm. and 10 grams of silver. Mm. And, you know, that that's, uh, and that's starting from the surface or just below the surface. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, if we can find more of that, um, this year, and that's where we're drilling right now, actually, uh, it, it could make a, a, a substantial difference to the overall average grade and, uh, you know, even more positive economics. So sure. this, is a, this is a really exciting time, actually, Jay, because we've just started, uh, you know, we've done all the interpretation over the winter, and now mm-hmm. we're just starting again to drill around these really uh, good grade holes that we got towards the end of last year. Yeah, so you got the boring stuff out of the way, at least as far as the <laughs> investors are concerned. Yeah. And now we're we're looking for some drill results. When might we see them, Ralph? When when might we well, get I, some results I, back? I think you'll start to see a, a pretty steady flow of results starting in about a month. And, uh, you know, we hope to be drilling um, through the end of the year. So uh, should have a steady stream of results. And as I said, uh, we're certainly, it's, it's exploration, so we never know uh, exactly what we're going to find. But uh, we are drilling in the areas that uh, we got some really good results last year. And, uh, you know, that hole I mentioned earlier, number five of last year, actually ended in mineralization. So, you know, not only was it a big intercept of 150 meters, uh, we didn't actually get out of the mineralization. So mm. clearly we're going to be trying to look for the extensions of that uh, this year. Yeah. The lateral extensions, I suppose. I mean, you're, uh, what, what depth was that then, Ralph? That, uh, uh, that went down to just under uh, like 650 feet uh, below mm-hmm. the surface, that mm-hmm. sort of depth. Yeah. So, yeah. Open, open pitable. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, if you've got, well, it's starting at the surface, Jay, so... Yeah. Excellent. R- really good. Well, you know, one of the, just with a minute or so left, uh, well, my engineer says we've got three minutes or so. Um, one of the main skepticisms that I've heard voiced from some technical people is that they were concerned about the lack of continuity of mineralization. You know, Ralph, you can have some a little gold here, a little gold there, but unless you have it all along trend, it may not, uh, it may not be economic. Is there any, could you perhaps... Uh, say anything about that that I don't think it's something that you're terribly concerned about but yeah no certainly I can I can um, try and um, sort of get the point across so when rock becomes mineralized um, 
you have this sort of big body of rock which you can define. And we have uh, we haven't found the limits yet, but in the jumbo trend, which is the area we've been uh, discussing, uh, so far we've got this big block of rock which has gold in it. And so, from a continuity point of view, we can def- we can define that big block of rock with gold in. So it's continuous mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. It. If you look at the very, very fine detail, like is the gold in, you know, if we're talking about uh, along the length of the, of the zone, is the gold in this foot, in the next foot, in the next foot? There may be the odd foot that doesn't have much gold in and then the next foot might have a bit more. Uh, it's not exactly uniform and one should not expect it to be so. Mm-hmm. So I think... Uh, if you think of continuity in terms of mining, you know, a big shovel that's going to take, uh, you know, uh, 5, 10, 20 tons at a time, uh, every one of those shovelfuls in the gold-bearing zone will have gold in. Yeah. So it is continuous when you look at that sort of scale. Of course, after you do a lot of infill drilling and so forth, your confidence level rises and you know Absolutely, much better. Yes. And right now, you're just establishing... Uh, sort of establishing the some of the parameters of, of mineralization and over time I guess you'll be doing more of that sort of more detailed work I suppose do you do you think yeah. Ralph um, that, that you need uh, sort of three to five million ounces is that is that your sort of your goal here longer term to attract a major into this project well I think um, you know from what uh, we sort of hear the sort of scuttle but um, you know the majors are starting to look at maybe smaller, uh, size projects because the the large ones are obviously so difficult to find. Yeah, and they need to you know maintain their reserve base. But I think at Gold Springs, which you know in, in terms of general geology, it's a bit like uh, Round Mountain in terms of the geology. It's a big collapsed caldera and all the sort of cracks around the caldera. Um, these gold bearing fluids have come up and deposited gold. And, you know, Round Mountain is uh, like 14 million ounces. So mm. the thing is, the geology that we have is um, sort of permissive uh, for a very large deposit. And uh, we think that that would uh, attract uh, majors um, in that sense. And mm-hmm. in terms of what we're trying to do, uh, this year, you know, we want to get over a million ounces. We think by the time we get to, say, two million ounces, there'll be a lot of people uh, who would be very interested indeed? Maybe uh, next year, by next year's drill program, then perhaps, and so yeah, maybe people start sniffing around now. It's uh, you know, it really depends. Uh, the market um, varies, as you know, greatly dependent on on the gold price. And I guess you know we're well up from where we were at the beginning of the year. So if that continues, then uh, you know projects like ours will become very popular. Well, we'll certainly be uh, keeping our eyes on it, that's for sure. It's a story that I cover in my newsletter and one that I own personally. So, uh, Ralph, I want to thank you very much for being with us today and uh, giving us an update. I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the near future. Thank you, and again, thanks for having me on. You bet. Well, folks, uh, we're going to go to commercial break now, but don't go away because Frank Holmes will be with us to talk about a new gold ETF that uh, U.S. Global is putting on. And um, also, Frank has some ideas about how you can profit from some of the dislocations that recently occurred with the GDXJ, the uh, 
ETF for gold shares. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Frank Holmes. Novo Resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects. Its flagship asset is the Beaton's Creek Gold Project in Western Australia, where it is currently upgrading and expanding on its resources to produce an economic study in Q3 2017, followed by construction in Q1 2018. Novo enjoys a strong balance sheet and supportive shareholder support from the likes of Eric Sprott and Newmont Mining. It trades in Canada and the U.S. under the symbols NVO and NSRPF, respectively. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Dynasert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Frank Holmes, uh, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of U.S. Global Funds. And uh, Frank's been on with us uh, many times in the past, and uh, always good to have him on. He is uh, a person who I think is uh, thinks outside of the box. He's really an innovative, creative thinker uh, and has done very, very well with his uh, group of funds uh, under the uh, U.S. Global umbrella. Thanks for joining me again, Frank. It's good to have you with me. Well, it's always great to be on your show, Jay. Always good to have you, and uh, I should tell our listeners before we get started, it's usfunds.com. Is that where they can go to keep up with all you're doing? They can, and they can subscribe to the Investor Alert, which we publish, and it's about 40,000 readers in 180 countries every week. Well, it's quite an extensive um, piece of uh, piece that you put out every week, and I'm looking at last week's, and I want to get into some of the topics that you talked about last week. Um, in particular, 
the one that's small cap mining stocks, big time opportunity. And we're, you're talking about the GDXJ and the dislocations that have occurred there. But before we get into those uh, those issues, I would like to ask you to talk a little bit about your new ETF uh, that you're starting. Um, I guess when is it going to be launched? And, and tell us a little about it, Frank. The name is Go Gold. I think the symbol will be G O A U, appropriately so. Well, thank you, and uh, it's exactly that. Uh, you know, we've won many awards for uh, for gold, active gold fund managers. In fact, someone told me that we've won the, won the most LIPRA awards in that category for the past 25 years. And um, and so we're seeing that mutual funds are being Uberized by ETFs, and, and then we witness what took place in for our active funds uh, being squashed around by money flows Due to GDXJ and GDXJ last year uh, captured five billion dollars of money going into small cap, mid cap gold producers, and uh, and they grew too successful. It's like uh, the notorious big uh, rap song uh, in the late nineties: "More money, more problems." Yeah, and uh, and so they've had to turn around and blow out three billion dollars worth the uh, junior mining stocks, and this has had a, a tsunami uh, impact. Uh, and good, good good gold stocks versus bad, they've just all been hurt. So it took one year, basically, is being unloaded in six weeks, uh, and that's why you see this bifurcation with gold rising and the gold stocks selling off. But I said in that article, is that this back up your truck, baby, back it up. And there's so many great gold stocks that have fallen for no fundamental reason. Uh, companies and, and quant models that we have applied to look at our holdings uh, are giving stocks like Pondex, which has free cash flow of $10 million. The revenue for the last quarter is greater than the average for the four quarters, uh, which is very positive because most of the mining companies can't show that uh, that growth. And uh, and they had a big capex expand expand with their production, but that stock had fallen to its lowest fifty percent, all because of money flows of the GXJ repositioning for big cap gold stocks, and um, and so we see that this is a big opportunity, and investors should just understand it's a a, a very successful ETF, uh, the GDXJ is probably just it grew faster with money than the industry grew. Mm-hmm. I think another one that you mentioned in your article was West Dome, perhaps. Is that another one that you, you think has some opportunities now with this dislocation? Yes, I think Condex, West Dome, um, there is a handful of them that uh, have very attractive projects. So something's consistent. They all have high grade. Uh, we all have uh, growth in, in reserves, uh, exploration uh, success, and growth and potential for growth for more and more reserves. Uh, and and I, and I love to see those those high grade stories where the revenue is growing faster uh, from production and the reserves are growing even faster. So it's a perfect profile. They've been sold down. Back it up. And uh, there's probably about uh, 15 of them that have been dislocated. And then what's happened, Jay, is that the tsunami effect has hit stocks that are not even in GDXJ. 
Uh, and, and even some of the energy names are getting hurt because people are afraid and they just didn't understand why these stocks are getting pulverized. Yeah. Uh, and so I think uh, trying to explain to shareholders and investors that there's just wonderful opportunities here and uh, for not just grassroots exploration, but developing uh, uh, growth stories. Indeed. Um, so you're, uh, So this is really sort of a, a unique opportunity, but how do you see the gold markets and the gold share markets overall relative? I mean, we've had this this tremendous bull market in equities for a long time now, and uh, we had Michael Oliver talking to us a little while ago, technical analyst. Uh, he's turning, you know, he's very, very cautious in the equity market overall and very bullish. He thinks we're in a new bull market, a relatively new bull market in gold and uh, and you know the the equity markets as a general as a rule are, are getting very very long in the tooth generally speaking what are your what are your thoughts about the gold gold bullion and the gold share markets uh, in general above well, and beyond this specific is, that the, is that the gold stocks always do so much better when gold is running and the stock market is running they mm-hmm. just accelerate at a at a two to three to one three like it's a factor of three times what the S and P does. Now the mm-hmm. S and P is getting crushed and gold is rising. The gold stocks, you know, they'll perform better, but they never give you that robustness. Uh, yeah. From two thousand two right through the two thousand seven, you know, we had a strong bull market in stocks and gold prices. So it was a, a huge run in, in that gold stock place. But what I think is important is this GDXJ and what we see is that the GDX and GDXJ have nothing to do with intelligent reasons to own a gold stock. It's just here's a basket of names, who's most liquid, we own them. And uh, what I've launched is a coming up next week, ring the bell next Thursday, is GoAU, and it is an intelligent way of looking at gold stocks. I take the 88 global gold producers and distill them down to 28 names, um, and it is a basically like artificial intelligence approach. Uh, and artificial intelligence does not look for an explicit uh, black and white decision. It looks for a statistical heuristic. That means that if A and B happens, the C probability is 80, 90%. And that's mm-hmm. how we run our active funds, and we've done well with that thought process. So I've been spent uh, 8,000 hours memorializing. I try to understand, uh, bring math to uh, the best stocks we picked. And we went back over 40 quarters, and we came up with a, a structure that is 30% uh, royalty companies. Uh, so it's 10% Franco, 10% Royal, and 10% uh, Silver Wheaton, and they rebalance. And they rebalance each quarter because we found that some quarters, one far outperforms the other. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's some real fundamental factors why the royalty companies do so well. They actually outperform in the down markets, and they perform with the up markets. Uh, and that's what's really important when you want to try to outperform. And when we did our money ball mathematics of saying, how does it compare to the GDX and GDXJ? Well, we outperform 95% of the time on rolling 12-month periods. So mm. intelligent, oh. rational reasons for owning these stocks, which stocks to own, and then you have to recalibrate every month. And, uh, and so I'm very excited about it. 28 names, 30% are going to be royalty companies. Uh, then you're going to have 25 names, and they're going to be tiered. 
based on their uh, fundamental factors and their liquidity factors. Uh, we can go down to $200 million market caps. Uh, the average is pushing for small cap $700 million now. But the model catches any sell-offs uh, where headline news can knock a gold stock down, but the fundamentals are in place, and they're the ones, say, that always rebound back. What, what was that? I didn't catch that, Frank. So when, when we have a company like, say, Clondex, where the revenue of the last quarter is over four quarters is positive, yes. free cash yes. flow, uh, that when they get sold off because of the GDXJ phenomena or some negative headline news, those stocks are the best to buy because they give you an easy opportunity and they surge on the rebound. Uh, mm-hmm. It's when you see the revenue per share last quarter or four quarters goes down relative to the peers, or they have a uh, environmental problem, or they have a delay in their, in their advancing their projects, etc. Those factors, based on a hundred case studies, show that you've got to stay away from those names. That's the sort of artificial intelligence of looking at the space. And that's what I think we're trying to apply uh, our sort of a quant math approach for something that's very intelligent and it's documented. And by the way, Jay, you know what? We did this with our Jets ETF. Uh, mm-hmm. We said that uh, we had all the negative news on Warren Buffett didn't like the airline industry, and we said, no, he's going to love these stocks because Southwest Airlines has 36% returns on invested capital. This mm-hmm. industry now has a moat around it. Uh, it's shareholder-focused, uh, buying back their stock and increasing their dividend, paying down their debt, and they put a moat around that. They're, they're, and we overloaded the four horsemen, that is Southwest, United, and Delta, and American, and guess what? Buffett's now, in the past nine months, invested $10 billion in those four uh, names. Uh, uh-huh. That uh, ETF's been a success for investors, and that sort of concept of thinking about it, we look at the wealthy companies as being the horsemen of the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, Frank, let me ask you, what sort of market cap, what's the smallest market cap uh, companies that will fit into your new gold ETF? Two hundred million. Two hundred million. Okay. And so way, it's we, we, two hundred million dollars, and that way you don't run into the problem uh, of enterprise value. So if they had some debt, etc., then they, they could still qualify. But it's where you, you you must make sure you can have that liquidity. And you don't get into the GDXJ problem. And we scaled it up to ten billion dollars, and and our system works. Up to ten billion, the top the top end, huh? So, uh, yeah, we, so we, we were, say, well, how does it grow with the industry? Does it contract with the industry? Uh, it's like an accordion. So we're, we're um, very happy about it. I mean, it's 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 going to come out of sixty basis points to get uh, uh, something that's going to outperform all the growth fund managers of Canada. We've done the test, and no, no one beats it. Nobody. What you so you so got thirty percent? You've got thirty percent in royalty companies. Is that is that pretty much a locked in thing, or or, or is that variable? Yes, that's locked in. And unless Cisco's grow bigger than those three, the three yeah. liquid names, um, and, and we also so we have other fundamental factors, Jay, that showed up: rising price to book value. So what we noticed: revenue per employee. So when we looked at the royalty companies. You see Newmont as $200,000 of revenue per employee. Franklin, Nevada, which is a royalty on Newmont's assets, has $20 million of revenue per employee. <laughs> so it's so yeah. important. Uh, when I look at price to book, you can see that every time Franklin, Nevada does a financing, it's a 
credit, so you have rising price to book value. Newmont has all these charges, they have falling price to book. And Franklin and Bellis Fargo performed over the past uh, four or five years, it's, 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 it's gone up. Whereas these other gold stocks have gone down, they're only rebounding. So it's trying to recognize you know, what are the, the factors that the quants look at that buy these stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Amazon, Amazon has rising revenue every quarter for over the average of four quarters and has rising price to book. The cash flow is volatile because they're always spending money uh, growing, but yeah. that, those factors allow it to trade a higher multiple. So the Franklin Nevada trades a higher multiple. And also, Franklin Nevada gives you a, a frontier approach towards the junior mining because they have royalties on a lot of these junior mines. And when mm-hmm. they do, they have the good housekeeping seal. So I'm de-risking a junior mining producer. Sure. No question. Well, so you rebalance at the end of the month, Frank, right? No, once a quarter. Once a oh, quarter, once a quarter. balances. Uh, once a quarter, we looked at once a month, but there's just too much friction. And the reason for that, Jay, is the volatility of currencies. So this particular fund will, can capture the momentum of the South African RAND falling. So during the fourth quarter of 2015, the South African RAND was falling, and, it, and the first it impacts the, the stock prices, and then all of a sudden the results come out, and uh, they have rising profit margins. And those stocks had the best first quarter of 2016. And, sure. and then you can see in the second half of the year, the RAND rallied, and the South African stocks uh, under underperformed. And all of a sudden, the model was outer South Africa. It was more in Australia and Canadians. So now today we have a weak Canadian dollar, then the Canadian gold stocks can show up. So it's able to catch the momentum um, that of currency swings, and and, it, mm-hmm. and it's always you know three months behind the momentum of that change. But usually, when a currency starts in a decline or a rising scenario, it lasts at least for nine months. So it's able to capture those runs. I see. Well, what about uh, black swans, Frank? That might just—I mean, you talked about uh, an environmental issue. I guess some of them you can sort of see coming. But does your model capture things? I mean, how can it capture the unexpected? I guess it probably can't. You just rebalance at the end of the quarter, then, or, or how does that work? Yeah, that's well. There's some rules in there. There have a merger of acquisitions that come in. You, you know, there's there's some rules of how we manage an acquisition. Um, so it's, it's, it has lots of rules to deal with that, but black swans are black swans. You know, there's just math to them, and there's seven factors that will knock a stock down for within the two weeks, and it usually stays down for 12 months to 18 months. And if it's, if the uh, revenue or production per share falls below the four-quarter average, those stocks get crushed. And so we don't stick around listening to them to repair their company because math says they're in the penalty box for 18 months. Just math. Nothing but it's, it's money ball. And so yeah. the model then gets all those stocks. You have, um, I mean, I think that your objectivity with respect to um – uh, to the gold markets and so forth is uh, enhanced in the eyes of many, including yours truly, by the fact that you have uh, under your U.S. global umbrella a lot of different sectors that you're involved with. So uh, I'd like to ask you your your sense of the gold market now. Do you think that we are in a prolonged or early stages of a gold bull market? 
Yeah, I, I, I think we're in a bull market. You just take a look at rates rising, but the 10-year governments are still, and five-year and two-year are still negative yields. Yeah. For your listeners, that is, we take the what the government is saying, please buy my two-year government bonds, deduct the CPI number, and yeah. is the rate of return the government's offering is positive or negative? Well, historically, whenever it's negative, gold rallies. Uh, right. And you're seeing that, uh, they're still negative, especially the two-year and the five-year, which is important for currencies, uh, how, they, how they parity trade with each other. Um, they're negative. So this is bullish for gold. And now we're just uh, ending in Ramadan. And that's always the first leg of gold rising. And we're going to come into a wedding season in India. And then we're going to have the season of lights, the Diwali season. And then we're going to have Christmas. Uh, so I think we have a good run of the love trade. And if you take a look at the GDPs per capita and you look at Chindia ETF, which is 40% of the world's population, China and India, well, this particular ETF is, is outperformed the S&P 2 to 1. Mm. Look at the past year. So that means they have a better economy. They have economic activity. There's, uh, the wisdom of crowds would suggest that. So prosperity that way is usually relates to better gold consumption. And we've seen that in India that a year ago the gold consumption had declined and there was a big chase of the currency and the re-rating the currency. But they're back and, and, and there's been a rebound in the consumption of bullion. Are you pretty bullish on, on India overall, Frank? I am. You know, I, I, I am. You've got so many smart people. Who's the CEO of Microsoft? Mm-hmm. The Indian. Who's the CEO of Pepsi? She's Indian. Who's the CEO of Google? He's Indian. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it. India. Yeah. Well, they certainly, um, uh, they, they did some some things that were objectionable to at least ideologically to me when they decided they wanted to take currency away from people. But what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we're moving away from, from currency in our pockets, right? We're moving towards a digital world more and more with a uh, right. And then then the hackers will be stealing our wallets. Like that's what they want to go after the Bitcoins are in wallets too. Um, You know, I, I think that what he was really trying to do was catch for the election, all the illegal money that's in, in, in baskets of, of uh, uh-huh. how they go and pay out people for politicians, etc., and to catch them flat-footed. That's what you really want to do. The, the very poor people in the, in the agricultural region were harmed, uh, but the millennials all want it because it was more emotional against the political corruption, and I think it achieved that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a wake-up call to them. Don't try to uh, uh, play games with the paper and issue a new paper. And they had to justify where their money came from. Well, they lost 30% of their money. Well, the government, the amount of money that flowed into the government swelled. It helped all their, 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 their cash flow. And um, they were able to spank a lot of naughty people. Frank, with just a minute or so left here, uh, talk to us a little bit about your JETS ETF. How has that performed? A 52-week high, um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. It's uh, it's up about 25% since launching it. Uh, so I think that's you know it's, it's done its job, um, mm-hmm. and that's what it's supposed to do. It's it's outperformed the S&P, and 
Uh, now I have Warren Buffett uh, believing in the industry, and he particularly believes that the 40% of my fund, uh, which is all quant-driven, he loves the same quant math, and he's a big buyer. So I think it's very positive. And if you look at global demographics, if there's more middle-class Chinese people traveling the world, uh, that's why American Airlines goes into China, uh, I think it's all very positive uh, long-term trend for the airlines industry. And every negative news about some stupid stewardess or person at United or American or whatever they do, it only benefits us because they have to clean up their act and scramble and give better benefits to uh, people flying and be more sensitive to their stock. Uh, So I think that uh, bad news is good news in, in the airline industry now. All right. We'll have to leave it at that, Frank. Thank you very much for being with us again. Um, It's always a pleasure having you on. Your insights are always of great value, so uh, I hope we can do it again sometime in the near future. Folks, that is all the time we have this week. Go Gold. Okay, that's uh, GoAU. G-O-A-U is a symbol. And uh, when is it it going to trade, Frank? When? Next next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Thursday. All right, we'll look for you uh, at, uh, on television there. We'll see your smiling face ringing the bell. All right, folks, well, that is all the time we have this week. Next week, uh, William Angdell will be with us, uh, Gordon McDonald of Firewood Zinc, and also Michael Oliver. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dinosert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. TriMetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company exploring and developing its near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a gold resource with a robust preliminary economic assessment. TriMetals believes that with further drilling, there is a significant potential to discover 3 to 5 million ounces of gold at Gold Springs. TriMetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively, and its website is trimetalsmining.com.